Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. And we're into extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Hewson. The All Blacks named their first squad of the year and surprise, surprise, there weren't really any surprises. There are three debutantes, though, who are set to get some game time in the three-test series against the French, which seem to be an understrength French side is possibly hitting here. We're joined now by our rugby reporter, Joe Porter. And, Joe, your thoughts on the squad? Because presumably just over a year out from the World Cup in Japan next year, we're getting a handle on just uh, how Steve Hansen's plans are shaping up. Yeah, that's right. You'd have to think that this year they'd be looking to settle on their starting lineup going forward and, of, of course, build as much depth as possible in the positions that they're lacking a little bit in at the moment, which is kind of interesting to see they've only taken two hookers away with them considering they're lacking a bit of depth at that position at the moment with Dane Cole's injury being so long-lasting and him not having played any Test rugby since last year. So interesting they only took two there, but the loose forwards seem to be another area where Hanson seems to think there's some problems lying in the depth uh, they've picked quite a few considering how many go into this, this test match. So you've got um, Liam Squire, who's only just coming back from injury. Kieran Reed's out, of course, so it will be interesting to see who plays at number eight. But um, young Shannon Frizzell from the Highlanders, his debut Super Rugby season, hasn't started that many games, but has been so impressive that the All Blacks have decided to induct him into the environment, so to speak, uh, and, and get him wrapped up in their system before he just chooses to go elsewhere or anything like that. Um, and and then you've got Akira Yuani missing out from the Blues, who's been there before in the All Blacks. Obviously, they don't feel his form's up to scratch. And Gareth Evans, unlucky perhaps from the Hurricanes at number eight to miss out, considering his all-round game. And then you've got Luke Whitelock from the Highlanders who missed out as well. Um, and, yeah, young Shannon Frizzell making it into the side. And Jordan Tofura, another possible deputant who's had a great year for the Crusaders and is possibly been unlucky to have not made his All Blacks do a debut sorry, already. So um, looking to build some depth in those areas and like you say, get a handle on what should be the starting lineup. You'd expect to see some fairly familiar faces from last year in the midfield and the outside backs and most of the rest of the squad. So the only other interesting thing will be, I guess, Te Toiro Tahuriorangi at halfback. They obviously see him as the third best halfback in the country now, so he's overtaken a few people and a few others have left as well. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. He's kind of in the Aaron Smith mould, so that suits the All Blacks game plan. And then again, we've got first fire, Bowden Barrett, of course, your starter. Who will back him up? Will it be Damien McKenzie or Richie Moonga? Another interesting question. We'll soon see answered. The, you mentioned there the, the, the loose forwards. I mean, as, as you see, there's so many um, that seem to be in the mix. Do you think Steve Hansen's really got a handle on, on, on his picking order? No, I think that's right. I think he doesn't. I think Liam Squire sits as your, your number one starting loose forward on the blind side flank. And of course, Sam Kane's your, your lock at number seven for your starting test open side flanker. Adi Savia's dropped in a bit of form, but he's a better bench player anyway. So, yeah, Kieran Reid is always going to be a number eight, but he's had so many injuries and head knock issues of late, you can't even guarantee that he'll be there next year. Um, Jerome Kaino, of course, moving on. They're looking to replace that, that hardened sort of um, enforcer on the blindside flank. They think they've found that in Squire, but you're right. They don't quite have their mix entirely perfect. They're not sure if, if Squire, Kane, and, and Reid are the best combination or whether you're better off having a Savia in there or someone off the bench. So... There's obviously room for guys like Frizzell and Tofua if they play well and, I guess, fill the role that the All Blacks are looking for to push their way in. 
Uh, it must be a bit tough, though, when you're chopping and changing, because like you said, you've got Tofua there, you've got Shannon Frizzell, uh, you've got Akira Ioane, yeah. who's, who's missed out, and then you've got, uh, have I left out of that? that Gareth, Mick, Evans, Gareth right? Evans. Yeah, I mean, it's... That, oh, sorry, Luke Whitelock, yes. I was just thinking, obviously, that chopping and changing, I mean, it presumably doesn't give those guys much time to settle in no. and and, and, so, uh, and come be, be comfortable in that environment. Yeah, and that was sort of a, a bit of a mark of their performances last year. There was a lot of chopping and changing due to various issues, and they didn't really produce a complete performance the whole year. Everything was fairly erratic. I mean, they won most of the games, but nothing was terribly convincing like it had been in the big run the year before. So you're right. I just don't think they're quite settled on that lineup. They don't feel like they've got the perfect mix in the forwards and the flankers, especially with the attrition rate in that position. So I feel like they just they feel like they need more depth. They also feel like they haven't got the mix quite right. And it's not good for those players, but I think it's all because Hansen and the selectors don't quite know who their best mix is. We've had a bit of talk too about this sort of new game plan, the, the All Blacks. Um, I mean, is it all a bit smoke and mirrors? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, we saw, I guess, the way the British and Irish Lions last year employed that rush defence to good success against the All Blacks in the, in the Test Series, which was drawn and it really exposed some flaws, I guess, in the All Blacks' pacey, sort of out-wide, ga- expansive game plan. When that rush defence got up fast, shut them down, was causing turnovers, and they really couldn't get around it. And that was quite an interesting, I guess, sort of sub-story of that series. And so the All Blacks now, everyone's trying to emulate that rush defence that the Lions produced because it was so effective. So Hanson and co are trying to come up with some plans to get around that. Bowden Barrett obviously thinks he's got a few skills and tricks up his sleeve. So it'll be interesting to see how they do get around that because it, it, it was... Pinpointed during that series is the way you can get to the All Blacks. And I suppose just big big game of the week, Super Rugby, we'll t- touch yes. on that. Uh, Crusaders, Hurricanes, um, I mean, d- does it actually mean anything, that <laughs> this match in, in itself, I mean, when, when it comes to the, the final makeup of things at the end of the year? A- and given both teams have mm. sort of got a bit of a, a patched up looking lineup. Yeah, probably not in terms of, you know, who you'll see in the finals or winning the New Zealand Conference at the, at the end of the year because we all know that the Hurricanes went down to the Crusaders last year and beat beat them near the end of the season. That was, in fact, the only game the Crusaders lost all season. But then, of course, the Crusaders went on to go over to Joburg and win the final, whereas the Hurricanes couldn't emulate that and got knocked down in the semis over, uh, sorry, by the Africans. So it was, um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily reflect what will happen in the final. It's a good... It'll give whoever wins a decent head start in the race to the New Zealand Conference title, especially if the Hurricanes win, because they'll go ahead of the uh, Crusaders. They're one point behind them at the moment, and they've got a game in hand, an extra game. So the Crusaders winning got four, the Hurricanes got five. So the Hurricanes winning go ahead, it gives them front foot forward towards New Zealand Conference um, qualification, and that's huge because it means you don't have to fly over to bloody South Africa to play a semi-final the next week. So it is important, like you say, five All Blacks missing from the Crusaders, a few missing from the Hurricanes as well. But it should be a good ding-dong battle. They're good. Good teams that play good games. The Hurricanes have been a bit of a bogey side for the Crusaders, even down in Christchurch. We saw what they did last year. So it should be a great fight. And there's lots of one-on-one matchups that are interesting as well. You look at Richie Moanga and Bowden Barrett. So it should be a great clash. But again, I wouldn't say whoever wins is guaranteed to win the comp or anything like that. Joe Porter, Joe's our rugby reporter. Thanks very much, Joe. Now, a women's super rugby competition is the next step New Zealand rugby is attempting to make for the women's game here to go fully professional. 28 women were awarded contracts this week. The first-time members of the Black Ferns 15-a-side squad have been contracted by New Zealand Rugby. The contracts are worth between forty dollars and $50,000 each, and the new semi-professional environment seen as simply the beginning. Ravinda Hunia reports. The Black Ferns' war cry, Ko Uhi Mai, has long been acknowledged by their on-field opponents, 
but now it has finally been recognised off of it. The women's national side is not only winning the remuneration battle with semi-professional contracts, but the chair of New Zealand rugby, Brent Impey, says discussions are underway to ensure equality for both women's and men's domestic competitions. The next thing we're working on is a type of a, a super rugby type competition um, and the, we're, we're going to be making decisions on that over the next uh, couple of months. Hopefully it can launch something next year, which is the next level up. So you've, there's quite a gap between the Farah Palmer Cup and playing at this level, the Black Ferns. Impey wants the pathway in the men's game mirrored in the women's. With the explosion in the number of uh, young girls and women who are playing the game, they need to have a pathway through. So whether it's their club through to their province, through to a super club, through to the Black Ferns, that's what we're trying to achieve. So it's a similar pathway or pipeline to the men's game. Returning veteran Fiao Fa'omausili says the Black Ferns have very few games, but the Super Rugby competition would increase international games. I know that money is always the case in some, in some eras with the women's rugby, but I think um, I believe in that's people, so people make things work, and so if we get that rolling, like people talking and that, and everything else just start coming. Yes, I'm hoping Pacific countries will get involved, and hoping you know Australia's just down the road, and England. The women's seven side have been on contracts for the past few years, but maintaining successful teams in both the sevens and the 15-a-side formats could pose a problem, with high-profile players earning more money in the sevens format. But Brent Impey is confident both versions can coexist. We want the Blackburn Sevens you know, winning the Commonwealth Games, which is fantastic, winning the World Series. We want the Black Ferns winning internationals and winning successive World Cups. So you, you, you do it in parallel, you don't do it prioritising one against the other. But unlike the Sevens, where there's the World Series, the Black Ferns 15s only have three tests this year, two against Australia in August and against the United States in November. So while the move to semi-professionalism is welcomed, the other thing the Black Ferns desperately want is games. Ravinda Hunia with that report. The Auckland motor racing driver Scott Dixon's hoping to put behind him last year's dramatic high-speed crash and a series of close calls to win a second Indianapolis 500. Dixon, who's a four-time IndyCar championship winner, won America's great race for the one and only time in 2008. The 37-year-old will start Monday morning's race ninth on the grid. Dixon told Barry Guy so much has to come together on race day to have a chance of winning. Try and get everything right in that period of you know three or four hours definitely seems to be almost impossible sometimes. But you know, very lucky to, to win that race, be on the short list of less than 70 people in the world that have ever achieved it. You know, uh, means a great deal, but also makes you want that second one so much more. You know, we finished second here, I think, two, you know, three or four times actually, and probably the worst place you can finish uh, at the Indianapolis 500. But um, yeah, you know, uh, the desire is always there. I think after the first win. You know, the, the desire just, you know, uh, is that much more trying to, uh, you know, capture your second. So uh, looking forward to, you know, having a crack and, and hopefully, uh, you know, one of these days we can we can get a second victory. Uh, you've also been close a few times. So is it, does, it, does that just define perhaps the, the, the fine line, the small margins, a little bit of luck that will get you over the top? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those places. You know, I think, you know, 
two or three times, you know, we, we, we definitely had the, the race almost won and, and you know, something uh, small can, can take it away from you just as quick. So those moments are frustrating and, and probably those races you remember more than, you know, the, the victory or, or other races that I've won throughout my career. But, you know, place owes me nothing. You've got to fight hard. You've got to try and give it your best. And, and uh, you know, hopefully the, the team and everybody is on that uh, value and trying to capture another one. But, you know, this place uh, always at the end seems to, to swing uh, something pretty strange, but uh, hopefully we can be on the receiving end. Uh, and that spectacular crash last year, uh, what was it like getting back on the, that track? Uh, yeah, no, you know, nothing. Uh, I think those kind of crashes, you know, don't really dwell on you too much. You know, it was just wrong place at the wrong time. You know, uh, I've been in, in racing since I was, you know, the age of seven, so I understand that it's, it's part of the business. And I've been in many crashes. That wasn't my first. It won't be my last. You know, just uh, definitely got very lucky. I think the speeds at Indianapolis definitely uh, take that risk factor a little bit higher when you're in you know, excess of you know, 240 miles an hour, almost 400 kilometres per hour, um, you know, going through turn one. So you sound relaxed, mind you. You always sound relaxed. So uh, you feeling, you're feeling good ahead of the big race? Yeah, feeling confident. You know, I think the you know we we've done pretty much all that we can in preparation. You just got to hope that it's you know enough. But yeah, you know uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what you know uh, race day hands us. I think it looks like right now it's going to be a pretty hot one. So you know hopefully that plays into our hands a little bit. It's definitely a couple of strong cars you know that we've seen in, in race trim and, and race running. But I think the number nine is is definitely strong too. But uh, you know keep our head down and, and keep fighting. Scott Dixon talking to Barry Guy. The New Zealand BMX rider Sarah Walker says she has a few more years in her yet and wants to get to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The 29-year-old Walker will compete in the World Championships in Azerbaijan next month, 15 years after competing at her first. Last year, the 2012 Olympic silver medalist switched to the track in an attempt to get to this year's Commonwealth Games as BMX wasn't on the Gold Coast programme. That didn't work out and she's now back on the BMX course and fully focused on another World Championship. My first World Championships was in 2003, so <laughs> I've been to a few now, but each one is different and exciting, and I'm really looking forward to it. Anyone still competing? Uh, <laughs> no, how do I put this? Any of your peers from uh, back then still competing? How do you feel uh, as perhaps one of the, um, the the older ones in the in the competition? Yeah, I'm definitely one of the older riders now, but I... Uh, no, I've, I, there's actually still a few riders that are older than me, but I'm definitely uh, <laughs> one of the older people in the field. But uh, at the same time, performance-wise, like I at the World Cups in Europe just a couple of weeks ago, I was the fourth fastest person around the track. So, like, I know that my speed is there and, I, and I'm going well, and there's still a, f- a few things to work on. But the fact that I still love it and still think that I can get faster. It would be, yeah, it's, it's it's exciting and I would not want to stop yet. <laughs> You've obviously still got what it takes to compete at the elite level. What, what is that? Is that just hard work? Why, why are you still right up there? I think because I enjoy it. I think a lot of people that uh, drop out of sport as the passion's gone or maybe the enjoyment comes from winning. So if you're no longer winning, maybe that's the reason to stop But I don't know. I, I really enjoy the challenge of of having to be brave and overcoming that fear, and and also being able to see kind of the next generation of BMXers come through in New Zealand, and and being able to support them and ride with them and and enjoy that moment as well. 
Uh, and you mentioned uh, the word brave because you've had your fair amount of crashes and, you know, surgeries and things. <laughs> I mean, how do you just keep getting over those? I kind of just deal with them. Like the the pain is easy. It's their kind of the recovery back to what I know I'm capable of. So it'll always be a setback and I won't be able to get faster in that time. So it's more frustrating than anything. But I just kind of accept that that's a possibility in the sport. But I've been racing BMX since 99 and like I have had a few crashes, but I've been okay more than I've been hurt by a lot. It just seems like maybe there's, there's quite a few because there's been a few in a row. But yeah, I, I tend to tend to be riding and enjoying it a lot more than sitting on the sidelines. I'm making it sort of sound as though you're 50 or something, but you're not. <laughs> so you, you, you've still got a while to go. You're looking beyond uh, the World Championships? Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking towards the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. That's my big goal. And it will be challenging. We've got a couple of New Zealand girls that'll be um, coming through and, and challenging for those spots. So ideally, we could potentially qualify two women's spots for Tokyo, um, which would be amazing. But I, I'm pretty confident we'll definitely qualify one. So I, I definitely see there's about three three girls that could go for those spots, and so it'll be a great competition. And I'll be doing everything I can to stay faster, but also trying to pass on as much information as I can to help them be better and at the end of the day, the best person will go So that, and that will be cool for New Zealand. Sarah Walker talking to Barry Guy. The Hamilton boxer David Nika got some good news this week with his Commonwealth Games medal recovered by police. The medal had been stolen out of his car last month and Nika admits he'd given up hope of it being returned. It was Nika's second gold medal, having won in Glasgow four years ago. And obviously elated, Nika spoke to Andrew McRae after police handed him back the medal. Yeah, I'm ecstatic about uh, the job that um, the community's done, especially the police. You know, they've gone above and beyond what I expected them to do. And, yeah, I got it back all in one piece. Did they give you any indication how they got it back? Was it public help, that sort of thing? Uh, well, I think there, there was a combination of, um, uh, you know, networking uh there was like we found people through social media um there's a lot i still don't know and that i won't ever know about um how it came back but um that just adds to the mystery i guess and i the i guess the medal tells more of a story it's got a few dings and um a few bruises but um yeah yeah i'm just happy to have it back you possibly could have got a replacement but it wouldn't have been the same would it yeah, well, it was it was actually on its way. Um, I had my replacement on its way because I was starting to think, you know, I've I've got a few um, appearances coming up. I didn't want to uh, turn up empty-handed. So um, the fact that it came back just in time uh, is really cool. And uh, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this has got a few a few scratches on it. It's got a few marks. The box is damaged. But yeah, like I said, it tells a story. It tells a story, and um, I think it's almost worth more to me now than it was before. So it's really cool. Had you thought, well, I'm never going to see the original again? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I was I was kind of playing it through in my head, thinking, uh, how is it going to get back safely? How is it? Um, how is it? There were so many variables. It could have it could have been ditched um, mm. two weeks ago, kind of thing. Once they realised what it was and whose it was, so the fact that the team uh, at the um, at the police station have done such a great job on this delicate issue uh, is. It's dumbfounded me. I don't know how they've done it, um, and I don't think I ever will. So um, all I can say is that 
if you if you ever have something pinched, go to go to the right people, go to the police. Are you going to um, protect it a bit more or keep it on your person the whole time? What are you going to do now? Um, well, like I'll probably put it back under my passenger seat. You know, <laughs> I drive I drive everywhere. Like about well, for the first few weeks or even a couple of months, I usually take it with me everywhere. So I've decided, you know, that comes with me type thing. So. I like I've, I take it to schools. I take it to friends' places. I take it to my show my family, my sponsors, and so it kind of makes more sense to have it in my car. So as you said, a bit of damage to the like the ribbons dirty and a bit of damage to the the box that was in. The actual metal itself looks okay. Yeah, the metals the metals intact. Uh, my dad actually took my last Com Games medal and uh, got someone to do a really good job on it. I, I, haven't, I haven't met the guy, but I'm gonna have, have to have to. Uh, make another visit, and um, uh, once I've shown it around, I might get it framed and put next to my my 2014 uh, Glasgow Games medal as well. That's David Nico talking to Andrew McRae. And that's it for Extra Time this week. Remember, if you want to catch up with all the sports news, you can head to our website at rnz.co.nz, and you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.